Hi, once again, everybody, and welcome back to the Radio Guy podcast. Dennis Newman with you once again as we continue to wander back through the years of Magic history and visit with some of the memorable players in 31 years of Magic basketball. And today, our guest certainly qualifies as memorable. Michael Pietras, time in Orlando. It, it was short. I think, granted, it was short three years, but he made a lasting impression on Magic fans, a lot of friends over the years here in Orlando and Central Florida. MP, thanks for taking the time today. How are you, my man? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Denise? Very good. It's good to hear your voice. I haven't had a chance to see you in a long time, and I suppose that's probably true of a lot of fans here in Central Florida. Do you get back often? I get back in in July, August with my kids and my family, so we go on vacation. So uh, as they grow, I'm taking them to Disney, and then I haven't shown them. I haven't get a chance to show them the, uh, the arena yet and where I used to play, where I used to enjoy my friends, uh, the the uh, the the Magic, the owners, everybody. So I miss everybody. Well, you left here, Mike, what was it, 2010? You left the NBA in 2013. Just catch us up yes. to date a little bit on, on what you've been doing. What's going on in your life the last few years? Well, I didn't leave the Magic. They trade me. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we've got that point. settled. They, they trade me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know my heart, my heart still goes. Uh, you know my heart still with the magic. You know, right now I live in France, but every time I come in July, it's, it's a pleasure for me to be in Orlando to see the community and to see the uh, the team that I used to play for. You know, I, I enjoy the magic so much that you know uh, I spent I spent three years and then I enjoyed. We went to the final. We had a great time, and then uh, I got traded back to uh, to uh, Phoenix. And then after that, I played a year in Boston, and then my last year was with Toronto. And then I kind of retired after that. So I'm taking care of my kids now and, you know, doing the daddy stuff. Uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. And I'm told you live, Mike, in Bordeaux, pretty nice region in France, beautiful country. Why Bordeaux? Because we make the best French wine. We make it the best wine. So if you guys want a couple of bottles, just let me know. I sent an airplane, and then you guys are good to go. Well, I appreciate I that, and, and our producer Jake Chapman, he'll he'll take you up on that. We'll have we'll have uh, a couple of bottles sent to him here right away. <laughs> well, it sounds like things are going pretty well for you. You've got you're kind of in a lot of different things right now, aren't you? Doing a lot of different things with basketball off the court and some on. Or tell us a little bit about how close to the game you are now. Yes, I'm. I'm staying close to the game. Um, right, now I'm trying to bring my experience, my NBA experience, to France, so to a city called Marseille, where me and my manager Valo Amdin, we uh, took over our team and we try to develop the uh, a new way of basketball uh, in France. But after that, I'm, you know, I have a couple of businesses that I'm taking care of. Um, we're going into production uh, next month, so I will be able to tell you guys more about it in the next round, so I'm excited. Now, you have me intrigued. A new way of basketball in France. What exactly is that? You know, I'm just trying to bring the, uh, the, new, the, new, the new way of playing basketball, the NBA, NBA style. You know, uh, basketball in France is kind of slow, so we need, we need, like, uh, we need some movement. We need the, the way basketball should be played is the way the NBA plays. And I think right now, everybody is watching the NBA and the NBA was in Paris about a month ago, and people enjoyed it. So I try to bring that kind of game back here. 
You know, it's interesting to me, Mike. I mean, you played a lot of international basketball, and it seems to me like Europe, the rest of the world, has is, is started to catch up and in some ways has caught up with the U.S. and the competitive nature of basketball. I think we saw that, as you know, in the World Cup last summer. Do you feel like it's more of an even ground now between the U.S., Europe, and, and really the rest of the world? I mean, you know, the NBA did a, a, a tremendous job bringing the uh, the NBA game to Paris, and right now everybody's trying to be uh, an NBA player. Everybody kind of like give it, give them a chance to see their favorite player. I think the NBA in Europe right now it's it's a great idea to merge those two countries together and and, and speak basketball. Yeah, that game played in Paris was, what, a month, month and a half ago. First regular season game ever played there in Paris, France. I think it what was it, Charlotte and Milwaukee. Did you get a chance to attend that, or did you get a chance to watch it on TV? Well, I watched it on TV because I could not be at the game, but I was, I was at the uh, NBA event. You know, they had uh, uh, the, um, the collaboration they did with Louis Vuitton, which is, which is a French brand. So it was kind of like my dream to see the NBA and we return merged together for uh, to develop the basketball and the brand as well. So uh, I went to see those guys, also Tony Parker and the Western NBA players. So it was kind of like good to catch up and, and see them. You know, you opened, along with a lot of other European players, but you really opened the gate to what we're seeing, I think, today with so many European players and players from around the country playing in the NBA. Uh, as you look at it, who are some of the guys you enjoy watching right now in this league that are European players? You know, I, I have to give credit to my fellow Frenchman, uh, Evan Fournier. I think he's, he's playing extremely well for the Magic. And hopefully he can take the magic to the playoff, and why not uh, take them to the championship? But I think uh, you know the uh, the guy from Denver, uh, I forgot his name, but the, the the big guy from Denver, he's playing extremely well. And I Jokic. think you know, and, and yeah, Jokic. Jokic. I, I think t- today the last three years, uh, the European player have a better feeling about playing the uh, NBA game. So it's kind of like good to see that. How about the NBA in Europe, Mike? Do you foresee the future where we will have NBA teams in, say, Paris, in London, Berlin, Spain? I mean, a lot of different places there. At some point, that would be a, a that, that would be a, a dream come true for me. Or maybe I can be an honor part of uh, somebody's team. You never know in Europe. And I think you know it's 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 going to be interesting to see the NBA how they develop those countries in Europe and I think that in the next three in the next 10 years we will have a, a European NBA team season playing in Europe here you know it's interesting me you talked about being around the game a little bit right now with some different endeavors but have you thought about maybe coaching at this level does that intrigue you at all or is that something you probably won't do in the future that's something that I won't do but if you never know, if the magic wants me to have the young, <laughs> the young guys, why not? You know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm available for the magic anytime they call me. But for now, I'm kind of like you know, stick to my plan. You know, raise my kids and develop a couple of business that I have. And after that, uh, the sky is the limit. They call me tomorrow, I come tomorrow. 
<laughs> I want to think back a little bit about, about your career in the NBA. You spent the three years here in Orlando. And, you know, as I was preparing today, Mike, I was just thinking about watching you play here in Orlando. And, and the one thing that stood out to me about Mike Pietras was the joy you showed playing basketball. I mean, it looked like you were having fun playing the game. And to me, it seems like that's kind of a disappearing art in this game. It just seems like there's a lot of young players that that don't look like they're having fun. You enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. You know, um, my my 10th year in the NBA, I told myself that you you have to play the game like it's, the, it's going to be the last one. You got to put a smile on your face because the kids coming to after school they want to watch you play, they want you watch you smile, they want you they want you see you fight. So um, I was like, uh, why not play in the game the wide way with your, a smile on your face? If, even though we have a lot of pressure to to win, but definitely um, I, I had so much fun playing for the Magic, playing for the Celtics, whoever, and I enjoyed myself in the NBA. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, when you, especially when you were here, but even the other teams you played for around the league, I mean, you really enjoyed the game and being part of the game, didn't you? Yes, I did. Every time, every time I saw threes, I was looking at the fans, and I hopefully, you know, I was smiles, just connected. And, you know, uh, I always tried to give my best. I wasn't the best player, but every time I was, I was on somebody else's team, I was trying to give my best, try to put a smile on my face, and the day that the basketball going to be over for me, I want to be happy. You played what? You played 10 years in the NBA. You came here from Golden State. You played just three seasons. It seemed to me it was longer than that. It seemed like we had you for a little longer than that. But three seasons, short seasons. But that memorable first year you were here, MP, that trip to the finals in 2009. How would you, first of all, overall, how, how would you describe your experience here in Orlando with this Magic team? Um, great. Uh, just, 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 it was just a great experience, you know, to be part of that team that took the Magic to the final. And then, uh, everybody on the team was connected, the coaches, the players, the fans, the people at the office. I mean, everybody was behind us. And then, um, and then, uh, and then I said, I can tell you that we enjoy, uh, we enjoy the ride. And then, uh, that was it. Now, you joined a pretty good basketball team when you came in in 2008 from Oakland, but did did you realize at the time, Mike, how good that Magic team was going to be? You know what? Every time I, I try to tell my kids, um, I'll try to show my kids on YouTube my videos, even though they don't understand what's basketball, it kind of like put a tear, uh, some tears my, into my eyes because I miss the magic. I miss that moment. And I was like, that was, we had fun back then. And then, you know what? Uh, hopefully the magic going to go be in a playoff this year and do the same thing that we did in 2009 uh, or, or 10. Yeah, I tell you what, it, it, that was a fun time. And winning is always good, we know that. But but it was a, a fun group of guys. You had a lot of success, especially that first year you were here. Go back with me a little bit, MP. When you came into Orlando, were you given a pretty clear idea of what this team was looking for from you with that 08-09 team initially? Honestly, to be honest with you, when I was playing for the Golden State, and then uh, Otis, Otis, Otis drafted me, and I told him wherever he goes, 
I will follow him and play for the team that he's uh, he's managing. And then he gave me a call as, and I signed with Orlando, and I was like, I was going to give my 100% just to bring that team to as far as I can. And I was just trying, we were try, just trying to do it as a group. We you know Dwight, Rashad, Turk, Jameer, and then, you know, uh, we will never forget those those years we spent together, and then it was it was just a great family. Boy, was. You mentioned Otis Smith, the GM at the time, and, and like you, a lot of players I know enjoyed playing for Otis Smith. How about Stan Van Gundy? It always seemed to me like you enjoyed playing for Stan Van Gundy. Was that a good experience for you? That was a great experience. You know, I enjoyed playing for Stan. I think he was one of the best coaches in the NBA. He gets you prepared for every game. Like, it's going to be the last game. Like, it's going to be a championship game that night. And I think, you know, he makes things easy for you on the floor. And I think he's, he's a very solid coach. He, he understands the game. He wants you to give a thousand percent every night, and even a shoot around, even when you eat a burger, he wants you to eat at that 100%, you know? And, you know, he was kind of like, he was, he was ten, you know? He was just trying to get you ready for, for the game that night. You know, and you're right. I mean, with Stan, it was the preparation first and foremost. But but he he did have a way of making sure you were ready to play. And it seemed like in Stan's way, he had a great relationship for the guys that played with him. Yeah, we had we had a great relationship with uh, with, with Coach Stan. I mean, he just wants to get you prepared, what you focus, and gives your best on the floor whenever he calls your name. And I think we had a, we had a good, great chemistry. And then after I left, you know, uh, whatever happened, happened. But um, I enjoyed myself. We enjoyed playing together. And definitely want to see him coach again because I think he's really kind of can help uh, any team succeed. Yeah, no question about it. That, that team in 08-09, let's go back to the start of that season. It didn't start great. I think it was 4-3, and 5-4 and four start out of the gate. It didn't seem at that point like it was anything really special, but it just started to seemingly click as the year went on. I think at the break, you were right around 38-40 wins at the All-Star break. When did you realize, Mike, that you might have something pretty special with that group? I mean, from the beginning, because we try to build that chemistry like a month and a half before training camp. So, like in September, Jamie he has a camp that we, he was doing in Philly. So we all came down to Philly practice, get ourselves ready for the season, and then you know it's gonna take some time for you to to play together because you don't know all the players. We have players that he was a free agent like myself. We had players coming from injury, and then we kind of like. Saying like uh, because we got we got excited when the when the, they start talking about uh, the Lakers was gonna play Cleveland and we didn't like that so we thought that we had a better team than those guys so we were like okay let's try something else let's go after those two teams and that's what we did. Yeah, you sure did. Uh, you know, there were a couple of bumps along the way. Go back to that injury. I think it was early February. I know it was against the Dallas Mavericks. Jameer goes down with that torn labrum in his shoulder. Looks like at the time he's probably done for the year. And this, as you just mentioned somewhat, this this was your leader. What was the feeling amongst you, the guys, when that happened, looking ahead to where you had to go? 
I mean, it's never fun when you lose uh, your point guard and when you lose uh, somebody very important on the team. And then we were like, uh, maybe uh, somebody has, somebody going to get traded. And then that's why they made that trade. And we got skipped to Milo, away from Austin. And then he came down, played with us. We, we got along. He came into the mix. And uh, we had only one word. That was championship. And then we was just trying to, to make him fit. And then that, that was it. Yeah, it was a pretty good move. Uh, you know, you talked about Otis Smith. He, he came through on that one. You needed a point guard. He goes out and signs Rafer Alston. Uh, he says, okay, Rafer, you're our guy. Let's go. When did you realize this is going to work? How long did it take with Rafer before you thought, yeah, I think this guy's going to step in and it's going to be seamless? I think when Rafer when got, traded, got, uh, got traded to Orlando, he already knew that we was going to do something very special. And that's his focus was to put the team on the track because Jamie went down, and um, it was gonna be uh, it wasn't gonna be easy for us to 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 get to that championship level. And then he raised his game, and everybody was trying to go with his flow. And I, I think that's why we we really got connected together, focus. And the only thing that that was gonna make us special to be Cleveland or maybe the Lakers that was keep our focus until the end of the season, and that's what we did. Yeah, what a playoff run that was. I mean, you end up 59-23 in the regular season, but then as the playoffs went on, it just seemed like it got better and better as you guys rolled through it, MP. It got better and better. I mean, we went we went to Cleveland, and we won the first one. And in the local room, we say, hey, guys, everything is possible now. We we uh, we just got one for them, now the pressure is on them. And then uh, we got so much confidence in ourselves because we have – too many snipers on the team. We had too many, too many shooters on the team. That team, and then they could have stopped us. So wherever the, uh, they were trying to stop one guy, like ten guys was gonna shoot three. It was, it was kind of like a very special team because our game was related inside and outside as well. So we had too many guys that could shoot threes, and you know somebody gotta pay attention to Dwight on, on, on the block. Yep, you roll through everything, you get to the finals, and you get the Lakers there in the finals, and then you find out Jameer Nelson can play. I know there's a lot of controversy over the years. I thought it was interesting, Mike. I talked to Rafer Alston about a month ago, what he said about that. He said to a player, everybody wanted Jameer Nelson back in that lineup, and Rafer said it himself, we wanted him back playing with us in that finals. I mean, uh, every time your soldier, one of your soldiers come back from injury, you want to, you, we want everybody to be those teams. I mean, Jamil, whatever gets you in shape, whatever gonna get you ready, we're gonna get you ready and on practice. Just, just come and we got some leftovers to do, and that's what we did. I mean, I mean, he was playing, uh, he was playing at a high level, and you know, sometimes you you gotta be honest with yourself. We we were playing Lakers in the final. They had uh, they had Kobe. They had uh, um, Paul Gasol and uh, the Andrew Bynum. It's gonna, it's gonna have, it's gonna be hard for us to to beat them because they have the Lakers. They have so much experience winning championship, and then we didn't have any any more any experience. So I think it was a great matchup. We 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 try to fight and win, but they, they got the best of it. You've been away for the game now, Mike. What six, seven years? What do you miss most about being around the NBA? To be honest with you, shooting trees and playing with the fans. 
That's what I miss the most. And I and I can understand that because first of all you're a great three point shooter, but your relationship with the fans, especially here in Orlando, seemed to be different. Seemed to be special. I mean, it's it's, it's special for me. I mean, they, they were they were part of my family, and they will always be. And I think every time I go to Orlando with my family and I see them, some people still wear my jersey, so I, I, I thank them for that. And uh, you know, I really enjoy myself. You know, playing with those guys and see the fans after the game, before the game, talk to them. And uh, it was it was, it was such, a, such a great experience. We were talking a little earlier about younger players, especially younger European players. We've got a player here with the Mavericks tonight, Luka Doncic. Have you had much of a chance to see Doncic play? And, and if so, what are your thoughts on the 20-year-old Slovenian? To be honest, I'm very surprised that he's playing at that, at the level. Basically, he's taking over Dirk Nowitzki that been playing for the Mavericks for 20 years, and after his second year, he's putting he's putting up big numbers, and it's good to see from a, a, a young player. I don't I don't I don't really care if if he's European or USC USC born player. It's it's good to see a, a young player play the game the right way and try to win. I tell you what, Michael, it's been good to talk to you. I know time is precious, and you have given us a generous portion of yours today. So we thank you for that. Your three years here in a magic uniform, we thank you for that. We'll always remember those years, Mike, with a smile. And, uh, boy, we really appreciate spending time with us. We hope you're going to bring your family back here to Orlando for games sometime. Yes, I will. Hopefully hopefully uh, next year. But I would like to thank you guys for having me. Um uh, tell the Magic to go to the playoff, play the game, enjoy the game, and see you guys in July. All right, Mike. Hey, it's good to visit with you. I'll tell you what, you've been a key piece of this uh, team's history. We appreciate you spending time. Thank you. Thank you. You bet. Number 20, Michael Pietras, a key piece of that 08 09 NBA Finals team, a guy that will always. Bring joy to Magic fans' faces, I think. The joy he brought to the basketball court will remember him well, always will, here in Orlando. And that's going to put a wrap on this edition of the Radio Guy podcast. Thanks to Mike Pietras and also to you again for joining us. We'll look for you on the radio. So long. 